Okay, yeah, I mean, I, I read out a bunch of stats, right? You know, yes. um, still across Africa today, there's about 1 billion people without access to credit. You know, there's about 350 million people without bank accounts. There's 400 million people without, you know, basic medical insurance. There's 450 million people that do not have access to safe public transport, right? Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, well well over 150 million adults who can't read, read and write. So on the one hand, these are like huge problems. But also, from an entrepreneur's uh, perspective, these are definitely huge, huge opportunities, opportunity, right? Yes. So I think, you know, while the, the, the rest of the world might, might, you know, might not really understand what's going on, we see an incredible opportunity for us to like build really, really huge, highly impactful companies that, 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 that you know, to solve these problems. Hello, dreamers and action takers. Welcome to another episode of the Want Money, Got Money podcast. I'm your host, Sam Kamani, and my guest for this episode is Aditayo Bamiduro. Tayo is the co-founder of Max.ng. Max is doing in Africa what Uber did in US. They are building a ride-sharing butt for motorbikes. Max, Tayo's company, goes one step further and not only does provide the software, but also provides the funding for the drivers to own the motorbikes. And they are working on their own electric motorbikes. I firmly believe that Tayo's company is going to make a massive positive impact in Nigeria, in Lagos, and wherever they move to. They already have over 2,000 drivers on their books and more drivers and more customers being added to their company every single day. So let's listen more from him. Sataya, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. I've been waiting to talk with you and learn more about Max, your company, and also your journey as an um, entrepreneur. And I know from just from reading a bit more about your background, you have um, spent time and worked in countries like South Africa, Brazil, US, UK. So can you take us a bit through your personal journey of entrepreneurship? Sure. Fantastic. Uh, thanks. Thanks again, Sam. You know, very excited to, uh, to, get it, to, to, to have a chance to get on your podcast, you know. Um, so hopefully, you know, look forward to, uh, to having a great conversation. Uh, so once again, you know, my name is Tayo, uh, co-founder and CEO of a company called Max.ng. Uh, born and raised um, in Nigeria, uh, in West Africa. Uh, family of uh, seven. Uh, my dad um, uh, is a professor who worked in the, in the, in the U.S. And, and in the U.K. for a couple of years and then moved back in the late 70s, back to Nigeria, right? Yeah. Uh, with my mom, you know, I... Then they were super excited about the fact that Nigeria, you know, um, had gained independence, you know, from, from the British Empire not too long ago. And they were excited about, you know, coming back to sort of like joining that movement um, that would sort of like build Nigeria into, into a prosperous country. Yeah. So, so uh, fast forward, you know, I was born uh, a, few, a few years later after they moved back, um, uh, did did uh, high school in Nigeria, did undergrad computer science in Nigeria as well. And, um, you know, so, so that was in the early 2000s. And I did that because, you know, there was a lot of excitement around the internet, around technology, yes. you know, names like Steve Jobs, uh, Gates, and so on had become household names all around the world. And I sort of like, you know, saw myself as, you know, hopefully in the future, maybe the, the, the African Bill Gates, right? You know, but anyway, 
so I did computer science, uh, taught myself, you know, how to code and, and, and write software. And I started doing that, you know, by the side. Um, and then when I left um, college, right, I, I decided to get, you know, work in a bunch of industries, uh, mostly out of Nigeria initially. I did, you know, from consulting, I did uh, uh, the auto industry a little bit as well. I did uh, a restaurant chain. Um, and then I did oil and gas, right? I worked for a shell mm-hmm. company uh, in the liquefied natural gas space. And then I had opportunities to, to work in Nigeria, in the, in the Middle East for a little bit, and also in the UK, right? Yeah. And then after a little bit, if you, know, if you know about Nigeria or about Africa, there's quite a bunch of countries in, in Africa that are heavily reliant on, on oil and gas or natural yes. resources, right? Yeah, like Angola so you, and all that. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Angola is another big one. Yeah. So the, 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 if you also, you know, uh, look at some, some, some material or some uh, uh, writing around uh, natural resources, you would have heard the term uh, Dutch disease in, in Africa. For, for the most part in Africa and a bunch of other countries around the world yeah. that have a lot of uh, natural resources, but also have, you know, very high poverty rates at the same time, which yes. kind of like doesn't make sense, but there's a reason for that. Yeah, which is why it's called the, the the Dutch disease, right? Yes. But anyway, so I worked in the oil and gas industry for a bit. It was exciting, you know. It was a decent job, made, made some really good money doing that. But ultimately, I think I hit a point where I had some sort of, um, you know, internal crisis, right? So on the mm-hmm. one hand, it was a great opportunity. I met so many amazing people and all of that. On the other hand. You know, the, the social change part of me, the part of me that wanted to help build a new Africa, right? Yes. Just couldn't live with that reality anymore. That on the one hand, yes, I was enjoying the experience in this industry. But at the same time, you know, this industry was not contributing to the development of the country fundamentally, right? Because yeah. most of the value that was being created ultimately was being, uh, ended up in the hands of just a very few people, right? The companies... Yeah. And, and the elite in, in the country, the yes. political elite, right? Yeah. So I got frustrated with that and I wanted to do something else. I wanted to, to use my skills, my technology skills, to actually do stuff that would impact on people directly, right? And of course, when you add to that the, the, the challenges with, you know, that we've had with, with climate change yes. and fossil fuels, I also didn't want to, want to you know, stay with an industry that was essentially on its way out, you know, it's, yeah, it's a matter of time. It is. Yeah. So, you know, thinking about all of those things and my desire to sort of like, you know, create lasting impact on the continent, help create jobs, use technology to fundamentally transform, you know, how people live and work. I'd say that, you know, it was time to leave, you know, so I left, you know, that, that, that opportunity. Uh, but before I moved into starting a, uh, to found a company, I thought I needed to, you know, get a little bit more exposure, you know, meet more people around the world and all of that. So I applied for the, the Sloan MBA program at MIT. And, you know, I was, I was, I was lucky to get in, right? And it was, uh, you know, a life-changing experience for me, you know, because at, at MIT, uh, you know, you meet so many amazing people doing incredible things, you know, right in class, you know, the person who's sitting in front of you, you know, might be the one who built or designed, you know, their... The, the engine for the 7737, right? The next person yeah. might be someone who's, who's built uh, a component, you know, for a space probe. So super, super smart, highly accomplished people. 
right? So, so that sort of atmosphere was very, very exciting and energizing for me. Uh, and I did two years there, and that was where I met, you know, my co-founder who together we ended up, you know, uh, starting a company called Max Together, right? Yeah. But uh, the two years I spent there uh, at Sloan, you know, uh, was, was super exciting, learning a lot. And then the, the, the company called Max, we started actually working on it. In fact, I and my co-founder started working on it as a class project, right? Yeah. So here we were thinking about how, how we could, you know, use, use technology to transform uh, mobility and last mile delivery in Africa. Yeah. And um, at, that, at that time, you know, uh, around 2014, 2015, there was a lot of global excitement around ride hailing in general, right? You know, yes. Uber was raising, you know, you know monster rounds and scaling yes. aggressively around the world. You yeah. know, Lyft was growing, you know, uh, at an incredibly fast pace in the U.S. as well. Uh, you had Didi in China, then... Karim in the Middle East. Like Karim in the Middle East. And Gojek Grab. And Grab in Asia. Asia exactly. Yes. So there was a lot of that going on. And then we were like, okay, we, we could do, you know, we could replicate some of these ideas in Africa as well. In a way yeah. that made sense for the local context. Yeah. So um, so we started working on Max. You know, we, we got into it into an accelerator program, you know, called Techstars in New York. Yes. We did that. And, uh, you know, we raised a, 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 you know, a, a little bit of, of um, seed capital and then we moved back to Nigeria, uh, Lagos specifically, you know, to launch Max. Yes. And then it's been quite a journey over the last five years, building the company. Um, eventually, uh, we, we evolved from being, a, we started out as a last part delivery company and then we expanded into a pure play uh, motor taxi and, and, and uh, two and three wheel mobility platform. And we've also added, you know, uh, financing uh, to, to our uh, value proposition as well in the market. Uh, last year, we, you know, we were lucky to close. I mean, we worked super hard, you know, we closed around yes. about, you know, $7.5 million. And that has allowed us to scale, you know, even for the, uh, just uh, about a week ago, we uh, successfully floated a, about a $22 million bond program to allow us finance, you know, vehicles for drivers on our platform. So we've seen yeah. quite, quite, you know, uh, quite, quite, quite a little bit of success over the last couple of years. Uh, and our goal really, you know, uh, um, has been to fundamentally figure out a way to, to transform mobility uh, in Africa, right? Yes. By, you know, providing technology to connect drivers and users uh, in real time. But beyond that is also to create an alternative financing framework that would provide access to finance and access to credit, you know, for riders and drivers in the, in the mobility space. So it's been, it's been quite a journey uh, all the way from, you know, uh, our initially trying to build a career in oil and gas, nice. uh, to, you know, leaving that to, to go get, you know, global experience in, in the U.S. and also in Europe. Yeah. I, I, I spent some time studying at London as well, in, in London yeah. as well. Uh, working with a couple of companies there and then, you know, move back to Nigeria and um, it's been, it's been quite a journey so far. Yeah. What I really like is that, you know, you are taking all that knowledge and experience of working in all these overseas countries and you can, you know, pick and choose, you know, what is working in those places that you can bring back to Lagos and to Nigeria and, and promote this whole new tech startup boom that is kind of going on in Africa that a lot of the world doesn't realize um, that there are yeah. companies like Max. Do you have any, uh, does Max have any competitors um, in, in your Invest Africa? 
Yes, yes, yes. We've got a couple. Um, so uh, today, I think when we launched, we had just one competitor, but mm-hmm. over the last couple of years, you know, uh, in West Africa specifically, I think we've got about three or four competitors uh, in the same space as well. And, and it's exciting because, you know, yeah. uh, the, the more competitors come into, into, into the market and to the, to the industry, the more validation it gives to the, to the idea itself, yes. right? And that also, you know, has helped generate more in, you know, global investor interest in the market. So, so yes, we've got a, a bunch of competitors in the market now. Absolutely. I cannot agree more. It's a bit like, you know, when you go to a mall, if there's only one yeah. food stall, it doesn't do well. But if it's in a food court, there's lots of exactly. different, it becomes, it validates even for the customer, for the business, for everyone that, yes, this is a good place to eat and this is where you get options. So come, I should come here and not go to one random, just one stall somewhere in the middle of Absolutely. Nowhere. So exactly. Yeah. So no, that is great. Um, tell me a bit about your time at like um, the accelerator or the TechStars program. How did you get in? How did you apply or find out about it and all that? Oh, fantastic! So you know, uh, back in twenty twenty fourteen, uh, you know, companies like Airbnb, you know, we had seen their, tra- their, their trajectory and the success that they had. Mm-hmm. And how a lot of that success was enabled by the time that they spent at uh, YC, right? Yes. You know, so, so the, accelerator, the startup accelerator model had been proven. There had been quite a number of success stories. And for us, you know, it made a lot of sense because, our, you know, uh, especially the good accelerator programs like Techstars yes. or, you know, or Y Combinator, YC. right? Yeah. They, they give you instant credibility. They give you access mm. to networks, mentors who've done it, who've been there who can sort of like, you know, take you on that same journey that they've been on, help you think through things like fundraising, you know, product market fit, hiring, uh, expansion, and, you know, things like that, right? Yeah. So, you know, uh, looking at the, the, the trajectory of companies like Airbnb and, you know, uh, the success that, that accelerator programs like Techstars had recorded, it made sense for us to, act, you know, to apply. So we actually got into two programs. We got into another program called Plug and Play Accelerator, which is yeah. uh, based out of the, the, the Bay Area. Yeah. But we chose to go with Techstars just because, you know, for, for, for a few reasons, it, it was a, li- a little bit more, more fit, a better fit for us. Yeah. So we did that. Uh, it was very exciting and intense, right? It was a, 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 about a three-month program. You know, you've got weekly goals and targets. Uh, you've got yeah. sort of like speed dating with mentors and entrepreneurs. You know, you're sort of like honing your skill, learning how to, to pitch your business, or your, or your company within like two minutes, you know, to mentors and you're getting feedback from them. And initially in the first week, you're doing this with about, you know, 10 to 15 mentors a day, right? So you sort of like build that mastery. You learn, you know, how to pitch uh, very quickly, very effectively within a short amount of time. So it was, it was events like that, right? I, I think at some point even we had the opportunity to connect with uh, the third uh, co-founder at Uber, I think Ryan Graves, you know, yeah. He gave us about 30 minutes of his time to sort of like talk to you know, the experience founding Uber and all of that, right? So yeah. it's that sort of um, access and network that you get. And beyond that, of course, you know, you get a little bit of money as well yes. um, as part of, you know, the program, which, which is kind of like helpful, you know, navigating the very early stages of, of your startup. So, um, you know, Texas was amazing, right? You know, we learned so much from so many mentors. Um, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, Texas has been a fundamental part of our, of our success story and our journey so far. Yep. 
you didn't get when you were there you didn't get tempted to pivot and build something in us and or for the us market oh fantastic point so the exciting thing is that my cohort right i think had about 12 to 13 companies yeah. uh, and and at least you know i think three to four of, of the companies in my in my cohort were we're focused on international opportunities. And I think that that's also, you know, sort of like the spirit of Techstars, which is sort of like, you know, figuring out and trying to bring together, you know, talented entrepreneurs, irrespective of, you know, of uh, geographic location in the world or, you know, wherever they, they were, it didn't matter as long as they were working on a compelling idea, a compelling problem, and the founders were, you know, uh, uh, knew what they were doing, right? So, and that's one of the things that we really liked about, about Techstars, right? Yes. Um, so yeah, it was, we, we never felt like, you know, we needed to stay back in the U S um, you know, to pursue the, the, the opportunity in the U S market, right. You know, um, yeah. tech gave us full support to continue to build a solution for Africa. Right. And, and they haven't been wrong about that. <laughs> that is great. That is really, really good to see the foresight from them. You know, I have seen this trend, even from the graduates of Y Combinator that in the last yeah. two years, there are more and more overseas founders who are not only going there, but also going back to their own home country and continue their journey. Because previously it used yeah. to be still overseas founders, like half of them, or um, but they exactly. used to stay in US for the market. So now what it shows me is that the market also exists in other places outside of North America, uh, which Absolutely. is yeah, which is great to see. Um, a lot of startups, when they are starting and still figuring out the whole product market fit and everything, they often do um, either big pivots or small pivots or, or change how they are, um, I don't know, presenting their service or distributing their service or a few things. Um, did you guys have to ever pivot or change or is this just the first thing that you guys went with and it was a hit? Yeah, that's that's a great question, right? And absolutely, a hundred percent, we've had to, you know, pivot at some point, you know, and sort of like yes. tweak our business model and tweak our revenue model. And we've done that, you know, quite quite a, a few times. And I'll talk about a few of them. When we started yeah. out initially, you know, we started out focusing on the last mile delivery space, you know, figuring out yeah. how to uh, enable companies, you know, like the Amazon clones in, in, in Africa, yes. figure out how to do last mile delivery, right? So we started out with that. Yeah. Uh, after a while, you know, um, we, we saw that we could leverage the exact same capabilities that we had built to expand into transportation and, and you know, people, people transport and mobility, right? So, yeah. uh, so we evolved from being a pure play logistics, uh, last mile logistics platform to being a pure play, pure play mobility platform connecting drivers to commuters, not just businesses. So we did that for a bit. You know, we saw very remarkable growth in there. And then at, at some point as well, we... we we pivoted from being uh, a pure online platform play, right? Yeah, essentially, you know, like Uber, um, you know, matching demand with supply or connecting drivers to users. We added a bunch of other uh, offerings to our, our product line. So we started actually helping drivers figure out how to access financing for their vehicles. So essentially, yeah. we added a vehicle leasing model, right? Yeah. to our online uh, hailing, hailing platform, right? Yeah. And we've seen a tremendous success for that. That's what we recently closed a $22 million you know, bond and secretization program, yeah. uh, secretization program for. So, so yes, you know, uh, and now as well, I think last two years, 
originally when we started, you know, we were focused on mostly uh, gas engine propelled vehicles. Now uh, we've also expanded into electric mobility. We've launched a bunch of electric vehicles on our platform. We're starting to scale that as well, right? So yes, we've we've learned a lot along the journey, figured out, you know, the direction in which, you know, either based off of feedback from our customers or essentially, you know, just uh, uh, running some tests uh, very, very quickly and iterating very quickly, getting customer feedback and then figuring out, you know, what made, what, what made sense for us to keep, what, what, what made sense for us to kind of like shut down and stuff like that. At some point, we even launched uh, a food or a food delivery platform like Uber yeah. Eats. Uh, at some point, we shut that down just because, you know, it didn't provide us uh, the sort of scale that we were looking for. But yes, we've, we've pivoted quite a number of times and launched new product lines. Um, we've talked to some of them and we've, you know, shut down some of them. Oh, that's excellent. Really, really encouraging to see that, that you guys kept on improving, um, kept on finding new ways to solve problems and not just um, stopping at one thing and just putting all your resources in one thing and then never trying anything else again. So it is really, really good to see that. And and just like Amazon has evolved, um, every business evolves as well. It started with books and now, you know, it does everything yeah, in the world. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, so yeah. yeah, I mean, um, it is, it is really, really good to see that. I still have a lot to learn about Africa. Um, can you tell me a bit about the tech startup scene there in, in Lagos in Nigeria, where you're based? Sure. Absolutely. Right. So over the last, you know, 10 years, um, right now, things are like uh, are a lot more intense than they were at the very beginning. Yes. I'd say ten years ago, maybe you had about maybe just two or three companies or, or startups, or right, tech startups, uh, who were trying to transform or redefine an industry, right? Yeah. Uh, but today, but then you, you had just companies, uh, just e-commerce companies like Amazon clones, you know, trying to yes. figure out how to digitize commerce. But over the last ten years, right? You know, you, now we have startups in agri-tech. You know, you've got startups in mobility, like all like ours and logistics. We've got yeah. startups, you know, solving problems in large scale, uh, our supply chain and trucking. You've got tons of startups in fintech, all the way from yeah. you know doing things like lending to digital payments, right to uh, uh, APIs, right for yeah. uh, uh, launching digital banks, things like that, right. So uh, you've got a lot of companies as well innovating, uh, startups innovating in the energy space, in the renewable energy space as well. Right, so it's evolved, you know, over the last ten years from just a bunch of companies trying to fix uh, uh, e-commerce, right, to yeah. literally startups doing every single thing that you can imagine. So it's yeah. super, super exciting now, um, uh, and you know, we're, we're super excited for the future. There's a lot more companies that are still in the pipeline, you know, that would be solving all the different fundamental problems that we have as a society. There's also edtech startups as well that are, you know. Yeah. fixing the huge education gap that we have on the continent, especially with young people, right? Yeah. So uh, virtually, you know, every single sector you can think of, right, has startups today in Nigeria and in, in, in many countries in sub-Saharan Africa, right, trying to fix those problems. That is that is great to see. Is there also necessary infrastructure there, such as, you know, um, accelerators, incubators, um, angel ecosystem and VC networks present there? Oh, yeah. So, so of course, you know, uh, it's growing, right? In nowhere yeah. near 
what we've got in, in what you've got in the, in the US, right? You know, I mean, yeah. uh, no, no, but no, no one is going to bid the Bay Area, right? Yeah. So it's nowhere near where it needs to be yet, right? There's, yeah. there's, so you've got a bunch of uh, angel investing uh, investment groups uh, and funds. I mean, yeah. uh, you've got a bunch of, um, you've got you know, quite a number of funds as well, uh, Sub-Saharan Africa focused funds. Um, you've also got quite some, some bit of impact capital as well, right? Yeah. You know, backing companies that sort of like, you know, have the triple bottom line approach where they, they try, they've got a business model, but at the same time, they're also trying to solve some fundamental uh, human challenges, you know, or you've got startups that are also, you know, doing stuff um, related to one of the SDGs, right? Yes. So it's the, the funding ecosystem is growing, right? It's not yeah. where, it, of course, it needs to be yet, but it's growing quite quickly. Oh, that's that's great to see. And any accelerators and incubators there in in that part of the world? Yes, yes. So we've got quite a bunch of them. Uh, you've got uh, uh, you've got bull accelerators and incubators. You know, not not like you know, not not YC level or textiles level yet, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you've got quite a bunch of them. Uh, you pro, you know, provide funding. Are you know, like really small seed funding in the range of say, you know, twenty to like fifty k, right? To very yes. early stage companies that are working on companion problems. Yeah. So you've got quite a number of them as well. Uh, the the ecosystem is growing, you know, very very quickly. Uh, it's yeah. accelerating, and uh, you know, over the next couple of years, it's go- it's going to become even more intense. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it is, and it is. I only see one way for all this to go, and that is north. And yeah, yeah, which is yeah, which is great to see. Um. You know, um, what advice would you have for yourself? Like if you could meet um, Tayo of 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question, right? You know, um, of course, you know, you'll be constantly learning, right? So, but, uh, you know, if you could go back in time, you know, what are the things that I could have done differently? You know, what would I, what would I have told myself? I think one of the, critical things we've figured out or, we, or we, we've sort of like, you know, seen over the last few years is how critical it is, you know, to, to really build a really strong team, right? You know, so I think earlier on, you know, we felt that once we, you know, raised a little bit of funding and we had a good product we were working on, everything was sort of like, you know, align and fall in place. But we, we've seen that, you know, uh, one of the most important things, if not the most important thing, thing right, is the, is the, the quality of the team itself in terms of the drive, the, the complementary skill sets, right? Uh, and the shared mission, right? You know, are, are those, uh, those are lessons that, you know, we, we've learned that, you know, maybe we, we should have paid a little bit more attention to that at the very beginning and not sort of like, you know, uh, you know, be so focused on the product and on fundraising, you know, and, and other things are not, you know, recognize how critical it is to actually build a really solid, cohesive, complementary team. So that, that would be one of the things that I, I definitely would have focused on a lot more than, than, than uh, if, I, if I could go back in time. Excellent advice. Um, absolutely brilliant. How do you currently um, find or hire people? As in like, um, how do you know that they are the right people for your company? What sort of metrics do you use or... Do you have a system for it or? Yeah, yeah that's a great question, Sam. You know, um, hiring is, is, you know, is, is tough, right? Especially for startups because, yeah. you know, for, for, for startup companies, you know, you're looking for folks who are really good, who've got maybe specialist skills in certain areas that you need. Maybe you're looking for a front-end developer 
or you're looking for a backend engineer or, you know, a data scientist or whatever it is, uh, a product manager. But at the same time, you're also looking for people who are versatile, right? Just because of the nature of a startup, you need people who can wear multiple hats, you know, as the, as the, uh, as the situation requires. So, um, uh, do we have a framework? Yes, we do. So, we, you know, we've got a, a simple process we put in place for uh, having, you know, prospective people like, you know, we have them take a test, uh, a psychometric test, essentially sort of like, you know, understand their personality and who they are, right? Because, you know, we know that when we have people, they bring, you know, themselves, their full selves into the team. So we want to get a bit, you know, we, we try to be a bit more scientific, try to understand who they are and all of that uh, in terms of their personal style, you know, and all of that. But beyond that, I think one thing that we found to be the most reliable in hiring people actually is with referrals, right? So we, ag- we actively go, you know, try to get referrals all the time uh, because, you know, um, as they say, past performance is, you know, remains the best predictor, you know, of, of future success, right? So if, you know, we've got friends or people who we know, who we trust, who refer people to us and say, hey, hey, I've worked with this, with, with this person before. Uh, you know, this person is a rock star. Uh, they would, you know, they will deliver like really good, good stuff and they're, and, they're just, and they're just amazing, right? That gives us a lot more confidence. So, of course, you know, you can hire every single person using, you know, using referrals. But I'd yeah. say we, we actually actively are seek out referrals to actually hire people. So I'd say that's one thing that we rely on a lot. Uh, but also, you know, we've got a slightly scientific process where we try to like um, understand people who they are in terms of their personality, right? Yes. And of course, one other, one other thing we've done is to make sure that at least three members of the team talk to, you know, uh, that person before we bring them on board. And we also try to build in, build in diversity, right? So if there's three members of the team interviewing someone, you know, it has to be diverse across gender lines, you know, so it can't be just three you know, three guys or three, three, three girls interviewing the person, right? We sort of like, you know, mix and match. Um, we also have people from different parts of the business, right? So it's not just someone from, from HR or the people team who's doing the interview. You've got someone uh, who's a bit more on the technical side. You've got someone from HR. You've also got someone maybe in operations as well. And you've got, you know, uh, a lot more perspective. We find that having the diversity of perspective, you know, helps us make much better decisions in hiring, right? Than just following, you know, traditional methods. Yep. Yep. Excellent. Um, yep. That is really, really good. And, you know, one thing I have seen that is common throughout the different countries that I've spent time with in, and that is referrals. So many jobs all around the world go through referrals and I still hire people the same way using referrals <laughs> Absolutely. as well yeah. because you yeah. often get like really gems of people. And, and as you know, any, any startup evolves and what you are doing exactly. might change over time. Exactly. So as long as yeah. you get the good people who can adapt and learn new things, that's, that's great. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, you have worked in, in North America or US and you have worked in Africa, you are one of the few people who I can ask this question. And that okay. is, what is the, I don't know, most challenging part of running um, Max in, say, in Lagos or in Nigeria or West Africa compared to, say, US? Yeah, that's, that's a great question, right? You know, yeah. Um, you know, despite all the, you know, it doesn't matter what side of the political divide you belong to. Yes. The, the reality is, you know, the American, you know, ecosystem 
uh, is you know uh, really thrives on innovation, right? Yeah. On pushing to you know pushing the next barrier and coming up with like you know really fantastic new ideas and products and and pushing them out there into the market, right? And you've got a fully fully developed ecosystem that supports you know rapid iteration, you know rapid deployments and aggressive scaling, right? Yeah. So, um, when you when when you also think about the, when you look at the culture, right, the culture is sort of like, the culture enables and supports that. Uh, when you go to some other parts of the world and, you know, Nigeria inclusive, it's kind of like catching up, but it's not there yet, right? So yeah. in American culture, that's very, you know, very intense, you know, quite aggressive, um, very direct as well in communication, right? There's not a lot of like cultural, um, cultural, you know, uh, art, you know, uh, cultural, you know, uh, um, uh, um, norms, right? That sort of like inhibit people from confidently and directly expressing themselves without, you know, fear of retribution, right? Yeah. Uh, in 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 Africa and in Nigeria, you know, the culture culture is still a little bit more conservative. You know, you still mm-hmm. kind of like have to push people to really say what they really want to say, right? Yeah. So we 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 end up spending a lot of time. You know, letting people understand that you know you're working at Max. Max is not you know you're not we're not um it it a forty year old company. We're not yes. a steel company. You know yeah. we're not a, uh, a traditional company. Right? We're, yeah. we're, we're we're not a traditional corporate corporate. Right? We are yeah. you know trying to you know move fast, break things, learn very quickly. You know and scale yes. right. So that also requires like you know very candid feedback. It requires being very very direct. It requires you know. Uh, it requires being okay to, to fail, right? As long as it's not neg- negligence. You know, if it's, you, you're putting a lot of effort into testing out a new product, doesn't work, you learn from it, you move to the next, right? So that uh, in the US is, you know, is there, you have that, right? But yeah. here, that, that culture is sort of like still growing, that mindset, that approach, that nimbleness uh, mm-hmm. is, is still work in progress. So I'd say that that would be one of the big differences. Yeah, that is that is so true. Um, I was just talking with one of the VC who works with entrepreneurs from all around the world. And I asked him, what's the difference between like the Bay Area or Silicon Valley and rest of the entrepreneurs? He say, even even in US, he has seen this. And that is that failure is in Silicon Valley or Bay Area. Failure is uh, not only um, allowed, but also celebrated. That means exactly. that you are trying a lot of things because if you are never failing, exactly. that means you're not trying enough things, um, trying exactly. different ways. <laughs> so he said that sort of mindset was the biggest thing that he saw. And I can see this um, here as well. Um, the other well, side of the coin is that, you know, what is the most fun thing or, or you know, what makes it, um, easy for you um, or easy for Max to be um, Max in in West Africa compared to say in a very developed ecosystem like US or somewhere else. Okay, that's that's, that's a very interesting question. Um, so I'd say that uh, the the distribution approach that we use. So let, let me speak. Let me let me take a specific part of our value chain, which is how we onboard drivers, right? Yeah. So in the US, how would you onboard drivers, right? You know, you probably will do a ton of campaigns, or uh, you know, leveraging digital media, you know, uh, you know, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is, sort of mm-hmm. like you know, get people to sign up and all of that, right? Yeah. Um, 
Here, you know, in Nigeria, it's a little different. So, so we use that approach, but at the same time, because it's a slightly more, much more informal economy, and there's a lot of activity going on in, in, the, in the physical markets, right? Yeah. You have to also invest a lot in offline activations. Essentially, what that means is if I'm going to, if we're going to onboard, you know, thousands of drivers, we can do a lot of, you know, we can invest a lot on, on you know, like, you know, keywords and a bunch of things like that, Facebook, Instagram, whatever yeah. it is. But, but, at, but at the same time, we have to actually invest in deploying field, field, uh, field teams, right, to water holes, to parks, to places where drivers concentrate physically to sort of like engage them and then, you know, bring them onto our platform. So I'd say uh, here, the uniqueness of the market and the context you're dealing with in developing countries uh, requires you to be, you know, even a lot more, a lot more dynamic in terms yes. of how you think about growth and scale, right? Uh, you can't not necessarily just rely exclusively on digital tools alone, right? You have to figure out offline distribution strategies to also kind of like, you know, yes. build awareness and get people to the top, top of your funnel. So I would say that would be a key difference between, you know, uh, uh, Africa and, and you know, developed markets. Yes, that is great. It gives me an insight that, you know, that digital doesn't have the same coverage is still very um, fragmented. So you have to try other innovative offline approaches um, exactly. for someone who wants to grow there. But yeah, I'm Absolutely. sure it's all, it's all part of the challenge and part of the fun. Um, yes, it is. Are you looking for, I don't know, customers, users, team, investors, support, anything? Um, are you looking for anything for any audience listening? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you know, yes, that's a dad, right? You know, as tech companies, we're always looking for more help, you know, yes. uh, always looking for more team members to join, more engineers, especially engineers, right? Uh, we're, we're, you know, building a ton of products right now. We're expanding yeah. the feature set of our, of the platform we've built for, you know, um, onboarding drivers, you know, and managing drivers and all that. Um, dispatch algorithms, you know, for uh, 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 route optimization algorithms as well on the platform. Um, so, so yes, we're, we're looking for engineers who are excited about building stuff, you know, for uh, in developing countries, in this case, in Nigeria, in Africa, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if, you're, if you're excited about, you know, potentially, you know, doing stuff with us, you know, definitely shoot, shoot, shoot me an email. Um, we we're also, you know, uh, we will be going back for, to fundraise, going back to the market to, to fundraise again, I think uh, early, uh, early next year, right? So, yeah. you know, yeah, happy to have conversations with um, investors as well, you know, who, who, who are keen uh, and see the opportunity uh, in, in Africa. So, um, so, yes, we're looking for team members who are excited about the work that we do. Uh, we're looking for potential investors, you know, who would love to, to learn a little bit more about what we do and see if it's a good fit for them. Yes. Um, uh, so I'll take maybe those two things for now. That's great. Um, before we go, I have just three sort of quick questions. One is, um, are you reading a book right now? What is it? Or, or what was the last book that you read? Okay, fantastic. Um, yes, uh, I'm definitely reading the book right now. So the last book that I read before the one I'm reading right now, uh, super pumped, right? The Battle for Uber. Uh, quite an amazing, amazing story. Uh, um, very cool. Talked a lot about, about about Travis, but also about you know a lot of the background things that were going on are uh, throughout the growth, uh, you know, the development and acceleration of of Uber, right? So yes. fantastic book. 
uh, talks about an amazing and incredible founder who eventually, you know, had to leave the company because of a few, you know, uh, problems or uh, and just, you know, a few, a few baggage, some some baggage that eventually crept into the culture as a result of their, you know, hyper aggression, right? But you know, definitely not taking the, the the position of a judge here, but kind of like just learning from their mistakes, learning from Travis's mistakes and all that, you know, and hopefully, you know, learning from that, but also learning a lot from the incredible success that they also achieved in terms of how quickly they grew, the number of cities they expanded into, right? And their, their focus on engineering excellence. So yeah, Super Pumped is, is definitely recommended, um, uh, recommended read. Yep. Uh, second thing, I want to ask you, what's the most exciting thing about Africa or, or West Africa, especially the part you're in? Okay, yeah, I mean, I'll read out a bunch of stats, right? You know, yes. um, still across Africa today, there's about 1 billion people without access to credit. You know, there's about 350 million people without bank accounts. There's 400 million people without, you know, basic medical insurance. There's 450 million people that do not have access to safe public transport, right? Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, well, well over 150 million adults who can't read, read and write. So on the one hand, these are like huge problems. But also, from an entrepreneur's uh, perspective, this is uh, definitely a huge opportunity, right? Yes. So, I think you know, while the, the the rest of the world might might you know might not really understand what's going on, we see an incredible opportunity for us to like build really, really huge, highly impactful companies that that that, that you know to solve these problems. Yeah, that is amazing. I mean, it is such a huge opportunity for anyone listening. Um, it is. Yeah. It is. It is the next. China, you know, and it will be yeah. fueling the whole global GDP growth for the next three decades at least um, with yeah. such a young population. Um, Absolutely. <clears throat> final question, and that is, if you had unlimited time, resources, and money, what would you build or what would you work on? Ah, uh, yes. That's a tough one, right? Because there's, there's, yes. there's a ton of things that I want to do, right? So I'm trying to pick yeah. one of them. Um, if I have unlimited unlimited resources, uh, I would I would invest in achieving all the SDGs within a five year period. Yeah. Wow, that is the <laughs> most ambitious <laughs> goal I have. <laughs> How many seventeen or eighteen SDGs? <laughs> but that is amazing. That is amazing. Look, I am super, super impressed. <laughs> oh yeah, thanks, thanks, Sam. You know, definitely great. You know, uh, thanks, thanks again for the opportunity to to connect and you know talk about yeah. some of our experience, experiences yeah. building building tech company in Africa, right? Um, and yeah. hopefully, you know, it's been uh, it's been enriching for the audience. Oh, it is. It is so good. Look, I'm going to put all the links. I will communicate with your team and get all your links and everything and put it all in the description and wherever this goes to. So people can connect, find out more about Max, um, whether it's your Instagram or Facebook or um, your website or all those sort of things. So yeah, look, I wish you Max all the best for all your journey and hope you get to tackle some of these SDGs and, and you know, just improve the quality of life for yeah. a um, person in West Africa. Absolutely. Yeah. So. We'll continue to do that. Thank you so much, Sam. And uh, I have fun as well. Enjoy New Zealand and hopefully, you know, look forward to having a chance to 
Absolutely, that would be great. And yes, if I ever visit Lagos, I'll <laughs> I'll connect with Let you. Let me know. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Let me know. Yeah. All yeah. right then. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Want Money, Got Money with Sam Kamani. Hope you enjoyed the show and got some valuable insights that would help you in your startup or your business. If you haven't already. Please subscribe and rate this show on your favorite platform. It would be extremely helpful and I just cannot tell you how much I would appreciate that.